Happy winter season and welcome back to Voices of the Valley Flora and Fauna. This is Soleil and Ramona Gaylord. And today we will be discussing the oft-seen but little-researched rodents of the valley floor, the Rocky Mountain high country, and the deserts. This year has been a total boon for rodents, in case you didn't notice the little guys scampering around your feet on nearly every run, bike, and hike. And now skiing, since that chilly, snowy December is here. But during the summer, whilst pulling toad flax off the valley floor, it seemed like the grasses were literally exploding with mice. And in town, my neighbors around here seemed to have had a mouse or more in their house this summer. We did too. And cats were bringing their bounties to the doorstep. And they still are. As a matter of fact, our neighbor's cat, Quantum, just brought us two voles in the last 24 hours. Oh my gosh. But before we delve into why we saw so many rodents this year, I'd like to give our listeners a brief overview of the species of rodents we have in Colorado. The most common we have is the deer mouse, that sweet, endearing character in fairy tale illustrations and Christmas cards. Some other native rodents we have include the harvest mouse, the kangaroo rat, the threatened prebles jumping meadow mouse, the pocket gopher, and the grasshopper mouse. So the grasshopper mouse is considered a predatory mouse because it consumes a staggering number of crickets and grasshoppers. They even go so far as to munch down on scorpions, believe it or not. They have an adapted, excellent, strong jaw specifically for that purpose. And we also have the common bushy-tailed wood rat. So wood rats are more commonly known as pack rats. And they build complex houses made of twigs and various materials. So you'll often see their middens in the desert kind of strewn among the rocks and marked by feces and twigs. Also to note, while they are called rats, they belong to the genus Neotoma rather than Rattus. So rats are actually their cousins. And on the note of pack rats, we have had several live trappings in the neighborhood this season. Friends have found nests in cars, basements, their sheds. These little guys love to move into warmer, secure areas when the temperatures start dropping. And note to those of you that have been trapping, live trapping these pack rats, they are solitary unless they are raising young, and they actually are quite calm and slow moving. Um, but do keep in mind, you won't have to set that trap the second time if you catch one, hopefully. Yeah, and interestingly, on the note of pack rats, paleobotanists and climatologists alike have studied the past by analyzing ancient material in pack rat nests. So scientists can track ice age climate and floral makeup across the American Southwest and other regions of the world. Um, In fact, in very old homes of the antebellum South, rat nests have provided information about slaves that was not otherwise recorded. The trick to that preservation, pack rats actually pee on their middens. And in the desert, this urine crystallizes as it dries, and it preserves specimens in their nests up to 50,000 years old. So in the southwest, as close as Chaco Canyon, scientists have used the ancient pollen preserved in rat nests to determine climactic conditions over time. And they can determine crazy things like rainfall and climate from those indicators, from the rat nests. And actually, it's possible to reconstruct this ancestral Puebloan history in great detail utilizing two methods. Firstly, the tree rings. And from tree rings on the roof beams, scientists can identify 
precisely what year, whether it was 1116 or 1115 AD, that a tree in a Chaco Canyon dwelling roof was cut down. And secondly, back to what Soleil was saying, those cute little pack rats um, have given paleobotanists this window into the past because a pack rat mitten is virtually or essentially this crazy little time capsule, not so little, some of them are quite big, these nests, of the vegetation growing within, say, 50 yards of their midden. And over a period of 50 years, a pack rat can be conserving these middens for and live in these middens for up to 50 years. And because, like uh, was mentioned, the middens, uh, the pack rats tend to urinate with this very viscous urine over these garbage piles. And that urine acts as a solidifier, a preservative that solidifies that mass in these arid climates of the Southwest. And it is like an amber that crystallizes, and that amber contains the secrets. In fact, this uh, scientist uh, Julio Betancourt was near a Puebloan ruin and happened to see a pack rat midden. He was astonished to see in it the needles of pinion, pine, and Jupiter and juniper in what is now a mostly treeless environment. So Julio wondered whether that was an uh, old midden. He took it back, radiocarbon dated it, and lo, it was something like AD 800. So the pack rat middens are time capsules of local vegetation, allowing paleobotanists to reconstruct what happened. What happened is that the Chacoans had deforested the area around the settlements until they were having to go further and further away for their fuel and their construction timber. And in the end, they were getting logs from tops of mountains about 75 miles away and 4,000 feet above their settlements. So these logs had to be dragged back by people with that didn't have transport or pack animals. So deforestation was on the rise and the ancient people were, were struggling. And there were obviously many other parameters, climatic pa parameters, but the society collapsed and rodents certainly have played a part in helping paleobotanists to unravel that bit of history. Yeah, it's so fascinating that Chaco Canyon has been this quandary of um, anthropology for so long and pack rats were really the the key to that puzzle and Jared Timond um, articulates that nicely in his book Collapse about the collapse of societies and Chaco Canyon is one of one of the most compelling narratives in his book so you will have to check that out. So back to rodents. Um, more rodents native to Colorado include tree squirrels um, such as the fox squirrel, the abert squirrel, and the pine squirrel. Fox squirrels are the species that you would see living in the Denver metro area, as well as on the eastern plains. Aberts and pine squirrels live up in the mountains. Um, abert squirrels have black or dark gray coats, and they have very distinct, long, tufted ears. And the more common pine squirrels are smaller and have a loud, chattering vocalization. So that is what we would see here around Telluride. They're the kind of chattering call that you'll hear when you're among the pines on your hike or bike. So ground squirrels can also be found in various habitats across the state, including, including the um, spotted ground squirrel on the eastern plains, the rock squirrel on the western mesas, and the Wyoming ground squirrel in the mountains. Ground squirrels are sometimes mistaken for prairie dogs and chipmunks, which are um, related species, but there are three species of prairie dogs in Colorado. That's the gunnisons, the white-tailed, and the black-tailed prairie dogs. So now that we have kind of a comprehensive look at the various rodent species of Colorado, I'd like to talk a little bit about why they, why we saw so many rodents this year. It's just 
completely crazy. They were going bonkers. So interestingly, kind of on another note, earlier this spring during peak quarantine, urban areas also started to see an abundance of rodents. They saw rats spilling out onto the streets in search of food. And these little guys were starved because their traditional food waste scraps from streets and parks were no longer there. So this is just one of the crazy biological human ramifications of COVID-19 that affect wildlife. And anyway, that's not what happened here in the Rockies, and that's not why we saw so many mice this year. So let's begin by talking a bit about population cycling. So we've known about population cycles for decades. We've observed boom and bust cycles in many species from locust to ruffed grouse to snowshoe hares. And scientists have grappled with this question for many years. Why does that happen? Um, Are predators the driver of population cycles, food, climate, disease? So according to a study from 2016 by Radchuk, Ims, and Andreessen, food availability and predation interact to generate specifically snowshoe hare population cycles. But in mice species, only an interaction of increased food availability with suppressed parasite pressure can create cycling. So voles on their own are their own entity. Um, analyses of long-term time series suggest that predation is enhanced by the rodent's sociality, which results in cyclic population dynamics. So sometimes the generation of population cycling can be due to um, resident specialist predators like raptors on the valley floor. Um, and then on a whole other note, in house mice without co-evolved predators, their population cycles may be driven by rainfall, food supply, and disease. So predators aren't a factor there. So a study from 1996 finds similar results. As you can see, the, the results are varied, and scientists have, have pondered this question for quite some time. So according to Krebs, spacing behavior is also an important component of population regulation, but only in voles and lemmings. So food shortage or predation alone does not seem to cause population cycles, but the interaction between food and predation is the important factor. So in addition, some studies suggest that in seasonal environments with high reproductive ability and low mortality, rodents can go so bonkers to a point at which either females don't breed for an entire season or their progeny do not survive to produce their own. So obviously a large proportion of animals die of old age and their population crashes. So it seems as though survival rather than solely reproductive rate appears to drive rates of population fluctuation. Food limitation may also be a factor as we've seen, but the decline from peak numbers is mostly caused by predation mortality. So on another note, I've noticed a ton of raptors this year um, feeding on these mice. And I'd like to think that it is due to the abundance of rodents that I've seen. And I can't directly speak to raptor population cycling, but I can tell our listeners that if they've seen birds feeding on the rodents, the most common predators you maybe you saw um, were the red-tailed hawk. We have many of those on the valley floor or a great horned owl, according to our well-informed biologist friend, Eric Hines, who has been on the show a number of times. So that's all I have for for rodents and their population cycling. Um, Happy holidays, everyone. And we're thinking perhaps um, a 2020 rebranding of the old night before Christmas story would be appropriate for this year. And we would replace not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse with a lot of creatures were stirring towards the season of mouse. Do keep in mind that an abundance of rodents is a reflection of natural biological cycles 
and our predators are happy for those extra protein packages they have been garnering this entire season. Rodents are the plankton of the American Southwest. It's where a lot of predators go shopping, and they are the base of the food web that brings us such rich diversity here in our San Juans. So, happy holidays to all. You are listening to Voices of the Valley Flora and Fauna. This is Soleil and Ramona Gaylord. Thank you, Ben, and thank you, Kodo.